0: It is Wednesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and you are listening to Steve Sack Syndrome. Top of the morning, I'm Scott Bunn. At top of the evening, I'm Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. It is our Indie Sports Radio. We've got a lot of stuff going on. It's March. It's March Madness. Uh, the NBA is happening, full steam. There's uh, lots of transactions coming through the wire through uh, for the NFL. So we've got lots to talk about. We'll have our old friend, Philip Chester, talking about all of these things coming up a little bit later in the show. Yeah, Scott, I feel like it's like... Christmas in L.A., I just have no sense of it being St. Patrick's Day. It's
1: like (laughs) not going out into the world or at all. You're just like, oh, is it St. Patrick's Day? I guess so.
0: Sure, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, But also a lot of that has to do with there's just, yeah, there's lots of sports and lots of things going on. And, uh, yeah, you did mention it is March Madness. This is the week that everyone is putting their brackets together and getting ready for the tournament to start. And, uh, an exciting thing for many Western North Carolina residents and not otherwise is that, uh, the App State men's basketball team, uh, did win the Sunbelt Tourney. That means they are going on to play in the, uh, NCAA tournament. And, uh, I reached out and was lucky to be uh, put in touch with uh, Andrew Korba, who is the assistant director of strategic communications and also head of, uh, you know, basketball sports information. And, uh, he was nice enough to join us and uh, just talk about uh, how exciting it is that, indeed, the Mountaineers are going to the big dance. So, Andrew Corbett, welcome to Steve Sack Syndrome.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Um, well, great. So, yeah, uh, I mentioned in kind of reaching out to people, we we get that we are not, you know, big sports media, but we are on the sort of freeform music radio station, which means we've got a lot of App State listeners. Um, so, <laughs> I thought that this would be something that uh, a lot of listeners before they kind of switched off and like oh wait they're talking upstate no let, let's stick with these guys for a little while so uh indeed you, you've got some interested listeners so tell us uh this is the first time in 21 years uh app state uh wins their tournament and uh go ahead and brag on your program a little bit how is it that it came together this year that they were able to win four games in four days and uh advance to the big dance
2: yeah well it was uh it was definitely something that uh we haven't seen before. Um, they they started off the tournament on uh, what would be Friday the 5th against Little Rock, who was actually uh, picked preseason to win the league. So mm-hmm. so right out of the gate, they're coming out and, and drawing a tough team. Um, they took care of business and beat them by seven. And then the next night, they drew Texas State, who was the regular season champion um, at 12-3 and 3 in conference. It had had a great season after having some issues in the offseason, but they, they came together. And, uh, you know, it was, it was going to be a grind type of a game. We knew that was coming. And um, we were, found ourselves up eight with about 30 seconds left. And Texas State hit four consecutive three-pointers mm. to force overtime. Wow. And when you just looked at our guys on the court, including a buzzer beater, right, to send the game to overtime from about 35 feet. So it was just one of those demoralizing things. And you looked at our guys, and it's like, I don't know how they're going to recover, But they, Coach Kearns got them in the huddle, calmed them down, and uh, they were able to ride it out for a three-point victory. So that was two games in a row, plus with the overtime. So the next night they go and play Coastal Carolina, who is one of the top offenses in the country. Um, So we were all thinking, you know, fast-paced, up and down, which isn't exactly necessarily our style, but Mm -hmm. slowed down a little bit. And the game plan worked to perfection. We slowed down one of the top ranked teams in the country and found ourselves in another overtime game. Um, we're able to grind that one out 64-61 to then play Georgia State, who was uh, on fire, um, had won, I believe, six in a row heading into the game, um, had has made had made five of the last seven Sunbelt Tournament championship games. And at that point, adrenaline took over, um, hit a little bump early on, found ourselves down by about eight or nine points and then put it together, made some second half adjustments and found ourselves at 14 with about four minutes to go and kind of just took it from there and uh, punched the ticket to the big dance. So it was just, it was an incredible run um, by the players, the staff and everything. And and they're, they're absolutely thrilled to be up in Indianapolis and playing in the tournament.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. So the uh, the third time in school history that you all are going to the state championship, uh, excuse me, <laughs> state championship, the the big dance to the big tournament. Um, I don't know, like... Um, I guess students are there on campus living on campus going to classes so and I don't know if there's so much comparison as to um like how the experience is I remember I went to Wake Forest and we would go to the tournament it was just a adrenaline filled chaos Mm -hmm. all over campus so do you get a sense of what's going on there or is it like no we got to be safe we got to be you know like be uh, as quarantined isolated as possible or if it's like it's college these guys haven't gone in so long we're letting it rip having a big party
2: yeah it, it as you mentioned it's college um you know when, when they won on monday night last week uh you know you saw videos on social media there were people there were some fireworks being shot off in the street and everything, so there was definitely a celebration in Boone on Monday night. And then the team returned to campus on Tuesday for a couple of days, and we had a, a socially distant welcome home party for them. Um, you know, we kind of kept the team away from the crowd, took them up on a on a higher set over by our arena, and they had a solid turnout. Um, you know, came in, uh, you know, for 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 what we're dealing with now with all the health. Health, you know, protocols and everything, you know, they had a good turnout and then, uh, they left and departed on, um, Saturday and they, uh, went through downtown Boone on the King Street and we had encouraged people to go gather there and they had another solid turnout there. So there, there's definitely an excitement and buzz. And, and what Coach Kearns has come in in, in his first two years is he's embraced the community. He's, he's embraced the students and it was, it just, it hurt him so bad this year that we really couldn't have fans in the stands. Mm. So, you know, he's been, he's been up front and in front of, in front of App Nation, you know, encouraging support. And, you know, he was, he was just thrilled to see the, the support that they've been able to get during, you know, what's been, what's, you know, a quirky year.
1: Right. Could you tell us a little bit more about the coach? You said he's just been with you for two years now and what a, yes. a nice success rate to uh, win the tournament yeah. in your second year. Uh, where was he previously? Um, so he came to us from Presbyterian. Um, he was the head coach of
2: Presbyterian for two years. He, uh, generated a nine-win turnaround there in, in, from year one to year two. Um, and pri- previously to that, he served with, he was on Mike Young's staff over at Wofford.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: so he, you know, he came to us, um, and last season, uh, we won 18 games out of the gate, which was our most since, uh, 2009-10. Um, had some success. Uh one of our most conference games ever in the Sunbelt with eleven. We went eleven and nine, won a Sunbelt tournament game, um, and then ran into a, a buzzsaw Texas State team in in the quarterfinals, third round. Uh last season Sunbelt's tournament did double buys and was, was very quirky. So um, you know, we had to travel across country on pretty much short notice. And then, you know, right after we lost, unfortunately, that's that's kind of when the world shut down. Um, it was the day after or the day before everything yeah. shut down. So uh, but they had all the momentum heading into the season this year and they uh they carried it non-conference uh hit a bump in the road during conference season uh had to also endure a two week shutdown due to a mm. couple positive cases and then come out of it and then uh you know started peaking you know right again at, at right for tournament which is the best time to be playing your best ball of the season
0: so the um, so your team is now going to go and do uh, a play-in um, to see that uh, up against another 16 seed, and then if you win that, it's congratulations. You get to play Gonzaga, uh, right. you know the number one team in the country, who's probably playing the best uh, basketball all across the country. If that happens, is it like? it doesn't really matter. All of this is gravy. We're happy to be there. Or you're like, no, we want Gonzaga, bring them on. I mean, we have the mentality If we want Gonzaga, bring them nice. on. Um, I mean, it's, it's the
2: NCAA tournament. You know, you want, the, you want the wins, you know, you want to be there with the pride. And, and, you know, if you beat Gonzaga, you're going to be the talk of the nation for, for a long time. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen it up at App State before with, with beating Michigan. And, you know, yep. a couple of years ago, beating North Carolina and South Carolina the same season in football, so you know we're we're not on the custom to to the big upsets and so you know no they'll they'll be ready for Gonzaga ready to go and
1: uh you know they'll want they're playing to win. Uh, so two things: one, I I think there's something potentially good about a playing game in that you get to go and play uh, a competitive game. I mean, you get to yeah. potentially have a great memory of like a, a close game rather than. Uh, well, you know, we, we played well for the first, you know, 20 minutes in the first quarter against the Giant. So you know, you can potentially, you know, put a win in the NCAA, you know, victory column, um, which is great. You're going up against Norfolk State. And uh, so, again, I, I, you know, while that's you know one extra step to kind of get to, the, you know, the journey, you'll be playing one more game than some other teams. I just think that's a great opportunity to go in and come away with, uh, you know a, a game you feel uh you can not just you know compete in but but clearly win yeah
2: you know and they're looking forward to norfolk state and it, it, it's kind of ironic that our game on uh thursday night against them will be played at assembly hall um on the campus of indiana which actually when we f- made our first uh program appearance in 1979 we also ironically played at assembly hall ah. so it, it, it's kind of just come full circle there um you know, you wouldn't think of it and in this weird year that everything is, but you know, that's just, that's just a cool little thing that they can reflect on as well. Um, but yeah, they're, they're ready to go. And um, you know, it'll be, it'll be good to, you know, there'll probably be some jitters as you would expect stepping on the court the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah. doesn't matter who your opponent is, but you know, they're, they're, I know the coaches are ready. I know they'll have them fully prepared and, and the guys are just, they're fired up and ready to get locked in and ready to go. Cause you know, we've had all this celebration since, you know, last Monday. So it's, it's been a while and, you know, they're, they're just itching to get back on the court and play a game.
1: And then I, I wanted to jump on your, you mentioned that the football program, which has done you know quite well for a while and does the success of the football team sort of call the other teams, uh, come on, let's, let's all show up on a national level. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we
2: want to be on the national level, obviously. And, you know, obviously football sets the precedent, but, um, you know, a situation like this, it, it's great exposure for us. Great, great for the program. Um, and, you know, they're, they're fired up to, to be able to just promote the university and everything. And, and it's just such a big stage, uh, you know, cause it, it's just pure national now. So yeah, they're ready. Um, and, and all the programs have embraced it. You know, we have all the programs support the programs. We've had coaches reaching out, you know, congratulating other coaches, coaches coming to our games across all of our sports when they can, obviously based on with, with all the COVID going on. But even in previous seasons, you know, there was support around. So, so, yeah, all the programs are there for each other and rooting each other on and hoping for the best.
0: Um, and so what are the protocols that are in place for uh, the team as they travel to the site of the tournament? Um, you know, I'm curious to, to hear what's how it's all being set up for the teams. Yeah, so they, uh, so they flew up to Indianapolis on Saturday.
2: Mm-hmm. Um and they got there and they pretty much had to take a COVID test immediately upon site and quarantine in their room mm-hmm. and then take another COVID test and then immediately quarantine again. Um, but they were uh, and then if those came back negative, then they were released from at least quarantine. But um, they're being very very stingent. Uh, masks at all times. Um, you know everything socially distant. If you saw the selection show, um, teams in Indiana, the chairs were socially distant apart. They're they're just they're being very cautious so that you know a team doesn't lose their season over over a positive COVID test. So that so they're in the bubble um on-site and off site. Um they could you know practice off site as well. They get you know they all hop on the bus and uh they're just staying in a huge hotel. Everybody gets their own rooms uh and you pretty much get a floor in the hotel just blocked out for your team. So you're only really around your guys not really exposed to to other teams. So it, it's definitely a different experience than from what other people have said before, but it's, you know, it's just something you have to do to, uh, to be able to, to be able to get this tournament in and, you know, they've embraced it. You know, they've, they've been living in quarantine situations all season. So that's, you know, that's just part of it now.
1: Great. I know we, we got to let you go. We really appreciate it. I know this is a busy week for everybody uh, involved with the program. Um, just one thing I don't know if you noticed that all the Mountaineers, Teams uh, qualified for the tournament was my understanding. I think uh, there are three teams that, that are have the Mountaineers as their mascot. Uh, West Virginia, I think mo- people most people expected, but uh, App State as well as Mount Saint Mary's is also um, no. the Mountaineers, and they just got in. I think they were like you know one of the last team ends, but uh, hooray for the Mountaineers! And just very quickly, uh, just want to ask you. So you have been doing this sports information <laughs> directing for a little while now, including <laughs> that you work for the Cleveland Cavaliers. The the year after they uh, won the tournament and then in fact went back to the uh, NBA finals for the, for the third time in a row. Um, so in 60 seconds, what was that like for you?
2: Uh, that was, that was a whirlwind um, from coming off of a title with um, a national, you know, national exposure going into the season, obviously having, you know, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, you know, the whole crew back together, and then going along for the ride again um, into the next season where unfortunately, you know, Golden State got us that time, uh, it was wild. Just, just being a part of the NBA finals experience was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, the whole world just descends upon your arena. Mm. Um, and it, even during the playoffs, you know, the exposure picks up and, and, but it, it was great. Um, I had an awesome time doing it, Um, you know, working and that that's catapulted me in, into this situation I'm in now where, you know, I'm able to be comfortable around people and, and just, you know, be able to do my job. So it was, it was definitely a great experience and I do it again in the heartbeat.
1: Well, that's great. Again, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes and just uh, letting everyone know who doesn't know already. This is a week to be excited about uh, Western North Carolina uh, college sports. So uh, hooray for that. And please know uh, we're here if you ever want to come back and promote any other part of the program. We're, we're always happy to talk uh, App State sports because we know directly for friends and otherwise that there's a lot of people in this area who, who are quite interested in that. So again, Andrew Korba, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Back. Thanks to uh, Andrew Corba joining us from uh, App State, the uh, sports information director telling us just what a great run it was for the Mountaineers to make through the Sun Belt Tournament and then uh, head on to uh, Indianapolis. But it's pretty cool that they get to play in the same stadium that they mm-hmm. first started
0: m- many years back. That's um, totally great. Uh, yeah, and uh, as we teased at the beginning, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, college basketball, but then move over to the NBA. And when we do that, we'd like to check in with our old friend, our first guest, it's Philip Chester. Welcome back, Philip. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, so excited for the tournament to start. Uh,
1: I think we're all admittedly like, college basketball, cool, and not necessarily like, oh, my favorite team, I, my, <laughs> all my banners, you know. Um, I guess, uh, Scott, you are the only one who came from somewhat of a basketball program uh, at Wake Forest, but they have not Uh, visited those glory days for a little while Um, but yeah so uh, uh, you you know but it's good it's just fun it'll be on all the time hooray hooray Uh, a couple things to be uh, excited about Um, so yeah the people love at this point to you know try to uh, call the the upsets not that there's any uh, you know loss for missing out but everyone wants to be right so a lot of people are saying that uh, a likely early upset could be uh, Winthrop um, going up against uh, Villanova. That's a 12-5 matchup. Uh, part of it is because Villanova has suffered a lot of injuries tail end of the season, including looting their point guard, which is kind of losing your quarterback. Um, and then Winthrop is quite good, having gone 23-1 with their only loss being a two-point loss to UNCA.
3: Oh. Where Philip Chester yes. went to school. Yes. That's <laughs> so, one of few uh, highlights of my basketball season. That was great.
1: <laughs> and then small things, Scott, from uh Buffalo. So uh I think Alabama is one of the more uh, impressive teams right now. Yeah. And that does uh, feature Nate Oates as the coach who led Buffalo to the tournament uh, many times. And he's just playing a style of basketball that is just r- really very fun. It's very aggressive, both uh, offensively and defensively. And uh, I thought they should have been a number one. Sorry to our 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 guest who is the Michigan Wolverines fan. I don't think they deserved a number one seed. I I thought Alabama by winning their tournament and just playing so well down the stretch,
0: they should have been uh, the fourth number one seed. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like Alabama looks really great. This is an interesting year for college basketball, especially for us somewhat casual fan like me, where, you know, a lot of the big programs, you know, didn't even make the tournament um, or are much lower, Or you know, and I also went to Wake Forest, as I said, I'm a big ACC fan. This is the first time since 1979 that the ACC doesn't have um, a seed in the top one of the top three seeds like the highest one is florida state they're they're a fourth seed like that's unheard of since 1979 Uh, so it is a little bit like okay let's see what's gonna happen Uh, but i also wanted to point out you know we we were talking about app state who hadn't been in a number of years but we have two first-time ncaa participants the hartford hawks made it and the grand canyon antelopes uh, this is uh, both of their first time. The antelopes are based in Phoenix, but yes, you you want to have this image of them playing, like just looking over the Grand Canyon. So I will be rooting for the antelope. The glass floor, looking down. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So great. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about it next week. But uh, so it begins, and uh, uh, hooray for. Finding out about players you you never knew existed and having them suddenly be uh, your
0: favorites. (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, we thought we would turn our attention to the NBA season. We had the All-Star break um, back uh, a weekend or two ago. Um, So that pretty much puts us at the halfway point. And we thought we would uh, have Philip on to check in on uh, just how our Charlotte Hornets are doing. And you had some reason to be optimistic as we headed into this season And your optimism has proved... Uh, well justified
0: at this wait point. before philip talks you said our charlotte hornets <laughs> on the bandwagon, are <laughs> uh, <our> collectively <laughs> yeah, you, uh,
1: you are welcome embracing all of western north carolina sports <laughs> at this point yes.
3: you're welcome on the bandwagon there, it is not large enough yet Lamelo <laughs> brings a large chunk of people who have never right. paid attention to the charlotte hornets to all of a sudden start paying attention to the charlotte hornets but there's still room for you tom so you are welcome on, on our bandwagon yes please
1: So, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, LaMelo Ball was their first, you know, their uh, top draft pick this year. And, uh, you know, many have thought he might go one or two, but he did fall just a little bit. And uh, boy, those teams who passed on him are kind of kicking themselves now because not only is he uh, a very efficient player, he's a very entertaining player.
3: Yep. Yeah, that's an amazing, and those are two words you have not been able to say about a Charlotte Hornets player, especially early, early on in his career, where it's literally the you know forty less than forty games into his career to be able to say he is both good and exciting. That's a, that's an amazing thing, um, and I have highly enjoyed uh, watching him play so far this season, and then just the team in general is, has yeah. played really well. I've heard people from the Ringer, from ESPN. So the athletic several people say the charlotte hornets are one of the most exciting teams in the nba which i say that the years when they average like 82 points <laughs> so like that idea is like not foreign to me at all but for it to come from people who are not um charlotte hornets nerds like me it feels really amazing
0: yeah i guess that's right because you know they there have been times when the charlotte franchise both as the Bodcats and then as the hornets um you know, we very good teams, but I wouldn't yep. ever call them exciting, yeah. you know, like Kemba Walker, a, a good player, efficient player, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh. Demba Walker's playing tonight you know yeah. he's a good player uh I, I mean I think I would have to go back to like the Larry Johnson Alonzo yeah. morning t- teams to be like yeah those Hornets were exciting you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but uh let's uh let's go back to that because I think when we talked to you before the NBA season started you were a little bit um like okay I want to see how LaMelo Ball is going to be you know like Obviously, he comes with a lot of baggage just in terms of his father and, Mm. you know, his uh, brother Lonzo Ball coming into the uh, league before. And you were kind of like, yeah, I want to see what he is. When did it shift for you? Was it like game one where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's a real deal. I'm (laughs) buying buying stock, buying the jersey. You know, when did it happen? Um, I'm trying to think what game
3: it was. It definitely wasn't the first game. His first game was actually pretty bad. That was he had a like a definitely like a true rookie, like, didn't really know how to fit in yet, like ugly rookie game. I want I know that me and uh, the Charlotte Hornets color commentator, Del Curry said it at about the exact same time. I can't remember what game it was It was probably in the teens of this season and maybe game 13 or 14. Del Curry said, I don't need to see any This kid's good. I don't, I don't need to see another thing. We know we have a, a superstar. And I thought, Oh my God, I couldn't agree more Dell. This is, this is absolutely how I feel about LaMelo ball too. And as a 33 year old who doesn't quite get the fame that LaMelo had um, coming into this season, it feels really weird to say that, but I'm absolutely giddy that he is on my team and I get to watch him play every night.
1: Uh, yeah, for those who uh, haven't seen, if you can just describe his game a little bit uh, in that, yeah, he is an incredible uh, passer uh, with, yeah. with great court vision. But uh, the thing that which he shares with his brother, but the thing that separates him a little bit is his offensive offensive efficiency and his, his shot is not quite as weird. Um, yeah, seems it's a little bit more fluid.
3: Yeah, he's he's not got a perfect Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson looking shot, but he's also still far from his brother as far as his shot looking funny. So he's making it well. He's making shots right now. It may not always look pretty, but he is making shots. And I've heard many people say he's making shots at a rate that people didn't expect him to do this early on. They thought this could be how he shoots a few years into the league after, you know, he gets a little different form or a little more maturity and and things that come with being in the NBA a few years. Um, But yeah, you have it right. Like uh, pretty much every draft analyst said he's coming into the league. He is going to be an elite passer and they couldn't have been more right because the vision that he plays with is making guys on our team like Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller and some of the rim running big guys that we have that don't really have offensive games. It's making guys like that actually have like a worthy spot just because yeah. Lamelo draws so much attention that having a guy to be able to just drop the ball off to as he cuts to the basket it is amazing.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's amazing when that happens, right? I mean, really, mm-hmm. in in any sport, but when suddenly you have a player of that caliber, um, all of a sudden the calibration of the team shifts yep. uh, where you're starting to see like Malik Monk starting mm-hmm. to play kind of well you know Terry Rozier always been a solid to good player he's you know he could have been an all-star this year you yep. know like he was playing just so well and as you said like even guys like Biombo and the, those kinds of things and then also in addition to that you've added the Hornets have added uh Gordon Hayward you know who you know, was on Tom's favorite team, the Boston Celtics, you which know, is and why just... I referred to them as our Charlotte. Points. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got but... Part of the Celtics former roster. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. And, and, you know, Hayward, who, you know, you know, just had unfortunate injuries. Mm. I, I think his time in Boston was just unfortunate. And then being at Charlotte, he could sort of like, Play under the radar a little mm. bit and not have the sort of like bright lights and expectations heaped upon him, and just go out there and just start playing and finding his footing again. So combining all of those things, you've got the makings of a team.
3: Yeah, it's it's really exciting. That that's the one thing I have to say. While Lamelo gets all the shine and for good reason, he is he is a really good player. There are other players on the team that are. Um, Gordon has absolutely lived up to the money that I as soon as I saw that contract was like, I don't know if he can live up to that money, at least the Gordon Hayward that I'd seen the last couple of years with the Celtics. Um, And as you said, Terry Rozier is doing the same. I think it was a, a ringer article. I read that the Charlotte Hornets are an Island of misfit toys that everyone just everyone discarded. But for some reason this Island of misfit toys fits together perfectly and it's made the Hornets one of the most exciting teams. And that's, that's exactly how I feel. So I have, One, it's the Charlotte Hornets. So like, as you guys have heard me mention, they're not a glory franchise at (laughs) all. So it feels, I always feel like the underdog because of that. But then also now we have players who kind of filled the underdog thing, aside from LaMelo, of course. Um, So I I am taking great pride and great joy in watching this team.
1: Uh, As you should. Yeah, it's interesting. I know uh, Knicks fans were sort of freaking out when they did not get um, Zion. Um, Mm. And then also... You know the sort of competition between uh, you know Alonzo and Lamelo. Right now, the Knicks and the Hornets are above the Pelicans in yep. the uh, Eastern Conference, and right now uh, they would both be going to the playoffs, and the Pelicans not so much. Yep. Um, so it's just interesting. So I'm just you know this is working out. Uh, take us a little up close and personal with the coach, who I know so little about.
3: Yep. Uh, he and he's it's kind of hard to know a lot about him. He is a very very quiet dude, and even as a rabid crazy charlotte hornets fan when i listen to his post games or his like middle of the week pressers i'm bored to death just because he does not have a like he doesn't have like a surly personality of the guy he learned under greg popovich but he also doesn't have like a a bubbly personality of someone else of another coach that might be a little more personable or might get a few more quotes in the media so he doesn't have a personality that's going to get him on sports center where you see like oh there's the quote from the charlotte hornets coach (laughs) Um, so I think that's part of it, but he, he is a good coach. I think so far, I think when a team is this young, it feels, he can have a lot of pressure on him, especially with the stardom of LaMelo. I know a lot of people have, uh, given him some heck for, um, not starting LaMelo immediately. Um, but, but I think he's done a good job of handling, of handling the Island of Misfit Toys because, um, I, I don't know I don't know how this team fits together. Maybe it is him that puts that that puts them in the right position to succeed that has put all these pieces that the Celtics have discarded or other teams have discarded maybe i uh, I would like to think uh maybe maybe that's what I'll do. I'll give him the credit for putting this team together because I do think he is a good coach and I think he has a good um balance of riding guys when they're not playing well but not over punishing them the way. Um, Steve Clifford or a couple of the other previous Hornets coaches would, where if a guy doesn't play well, it's like, all right, you're bad. I'm sitting you for like five games and you're, you're done. I'm, I'm not going to play you.
0: So just, uh, we've got going to take a break in just a minute, but um, so how are you feeling about moving forward? Are you like, the East is wide open. Watch (laughs) out Giannis and the Bucks. Watch (laughs) out 76ers. We're coming for you. Or are you just like, we'll see what happens like we want to get there want to sh- do good or are you just like throw it all in the wind like booking your appointment for NBA finals
3: <laughs> I am definitely not there I'm definitely on the uh the let's just see what happens but for the first time in a long time my team plays so well that I don't have um I haven't had it too, I haven't had any rude awakenings of like when we play the Sixers or when we play the Bucks, like, oh, goodness, we're still miles and miles away from them because they've competed with pretty much everyone they have played with this year. And so that alone is just a huge step from uh, previous Charlotte Hornets team. So I, I will if we make the playoffs as anything higher than an eight seed, I will be pumped. If they get, yeah, if they get in the top four and have home court, that would just, mm-hmm. I would lose my mind, but I, I don't think that's quite going to happen even in the, uh, the, the lower tier East. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just giddy to have a team that is consistently good and consistently exciting. And yeah, those are two things I've not been able to say for a long time.
1: <laughs> well, the big question is when are you going to paint the giant lamello mural?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that one might be coming soon. Yeah. That might be the one that needs to go up uh, behind me right now.
1: <laughs> uh, well, great. Uh, well, great. Thanks for the, the breakdown on that. And then, yeah, for anyone, if you, you didn't know, uh, yeah, t- tune into the Hornets that they are definitely worth watching these days, both for their, at this point, prohibitive favorite for the rookie of the year uh, mm-hmm. player, as well as just a, 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 a solid approach to offensive defense each night. We have a... Uh, Begun free agency today, so there a, a lot of discussion. Uh, I mean, teams were able to sign their own players uh, up to now, so we did see some movement. With finally, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have signed a contract, and so maybe we can please stop talking about that on every <laughs> sports talk show uh, as I continue to talk about it on a sports talk show. Um, but today was the first day that teams can sign, you know, free agents, and uh, it, it was a very busy day. So the, the crazy thing is that the New England Patriots who are known for being pretty conservative in, in free agency. I mean, occasionally bringing in, you know, uh, a big signing ever so often, Randy Moss or otherwise, but they spent more money today than they probably have in going yep. back over 10 years. I mean, hmm. big signings, five or six uh, signings. They got the, uh, the uh, uh, tight end from the uh, Johnny, the Titans, Smith, and Johnny um, Smith uh, hmm. uh who, uh, you know, fits right into that style. Sort of, you know, they had Ben Watson for a bunch of years. They got uh, Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders. Mm. Um, they had already signed their uh, the offensive tackle from the, the Raiders there. Uh, Williams, whatever, Trent Williams. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple, again, you know. Oh, Trent big, big Brown. Signees. Trent
0: Brown, yeah. Trent Brown, and they sorry. got Matt Judon, who is a defensive end with the Ravens as well. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, because the sort of NFL – Media industrial complex, you know, has always said like, "Look at the Patriots; they don't win in March. They win in <laughs> January and February." You know, and yes. so like, it, it's just always been this thing. They're like, "Look at Belichick; he he takes free agency off." So now they're not. They had a down year. They have lots of cap space. So suddenly bill belichick is winning march you know and so it's going to be interesting to see if those people that i always say tom you can't just turn it off to be like look at bill belichick he's doing it smart (laughs) he's spending the cash the way he should well i think that's the difference
1: because he didn't have to because he had tom brady so he had a quarterback that could go and win you those close games and make up for you know signing a lacrosse guy from colgate (laughs) you know as your wide receiver kind of thing um but they don't. So I think you know they they re-signed Cam. We don't know that that's their last move at quarterback, but right now Cam Newton is going to be their quarterback again. So it feels like they realized we're going to have to win at all the other positions um, and rely on a perfectly solid quarterback, but not somebody who's going to make that special scrambling play, Aaron Rodgers, chuck it, you know, 65 yards down the Mm -hmm. sideline to win the game. That's not coming from Cam. You're going to have like a just you know rolling thunder offense um so that that's what seems to go so uh philip we'll start there and then we'll check in more on the panthers uh how did you feel about uh cam newton re-upping with the patriots and what would you see as his possible performance possibilities in in 2021
3: yeah, that was one of the few um, things I actually had seen. So I think you guys need to get like music for like breaking news because I, <laughs> I did not know of any of those other uh, signings. So yeah, you need like a sounder for breaking news because I, I had no idea about any of those other ones. Um, but yeah, I, I saw that they re-signed Cam and I, as I, you guys kind of got from me last year, I want to see Cam play well, even though it's for a team I absolutely despise. So I was kind of happy in a way that like, Cam doesn't have to ride out the, the rest of the offseason, like trying to figure out it, who's who's yeah. going to sign him. So I was kind of happy in a way. But at the same time, based on what I saw last year, I do wonder if I, I do wonder what what else he has left to give now that the athleticism and strength and si- the size is still there as those things that made him so special as a Panther. I wonder that on top of just the injuries to his shoulder, which like. I think people, it's easy to forget that he was, I think it's easy to kind of look back and think, oh, he was just this big, powerful running quarterback. But no, he was a great throw. He was he was a great, true dual threat um, in the peak of being a Panther. So I do wonder if that's gone, but part of me does hope that uh, I get to see him, him play well again.
0: Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do um, with the rest of the off season. You know, this formula is draft a young quarterback on a rookie contract then you load up your team around it and mm-hmm. so uh Patriots seem to be as you said Tom doing that um with a sort of cheaper contract with Cam Newton or maybe uh the Patriots are sort of lining up to draft a quarterback say a Mac Jones or somebody like that who a lot mm-hmm. of people say have, have similar characteristics to Tom Brady you don't want to compare him to the greatest quarterback of all time but they have um you know some um similar things uh, we'll we'll see what they do uh you know my own team the buffalo bills they didn't have a whole lot of salary cap room um made some cuts uh restructured some deals but mostly what they've been doing is re-signing their own guys which is like that's exactly what you what i want as a as a bills fan and as somebody who's uh a team that's gone to the playoffs you know three out of the last four years is like keep your own guys like keep it you know clear and steady and actually kind of doing the thing that the patriots were able to do is like resign your own guys and they're like we don't have to take the full max in order to stay we like it here we like the the team we like the uh, the coaching staff and we like our quarterback so we want to run it back so that's been really cool to see um for the bills this offseason
1: yeah my thing with uh cam newton and there's a little bit also with Dak prescott like i'm bringing him up again uh, <laughs> we make a point we really try not to go out of our way to you know be super critical of players or calling people you know like everyone's doing the best they can and oh if we could only do you know, one three hundred and sixty-fifth of what they do, kind of thing. Uh, how how nice that would be, but I just wish there were some balance talk, as we say everywhere. So everyone's like, "Hey, well, you know, Cam last year, you know, he did he didn't have a, a preseason and COVID." All I was like, "Okay, that that you can sort of mm-hmm. use that to understand a lack of rhythm in some of the offense." Um, but he still bounces throws at people's ankles yeah. a lot. That that's not COVID. You know that that's been happening yeah. for a while. And I would say this, you know, so. That, that doesn't mean you can't win with him. That's just something that you just need to know. Like I said, you, you can't rely on him sort of Patrick Mahomesing and just like throwing a dart down the middle and fighting some guy amongst three receivers. He's not going to do that. So you can't put yourself in a position to need that in order to win the game. You got to make sure that, yeah, we're up. Uh, you know, 27, 13 um, and just sort of stifling you in the second half kind of thing, you know? Um, and then, yeah, same thing with Zach Prescott. I was like, he's a winner, his statistic. And I was like, I've just seen so many games where it was like fourth quarter, we need one big play. And you sort of, you, you skip it, you know, you skip it to the backfield come, you know, the runner coming on the backfield. You're like, Ooh, that, that wasn't a great throw again how hard that is to do with pressure on, right. but mm. there are a number of quarterbacks who consistently do that. Um, and he, he was not able to do that. So I, I just, it's odd when there's not sort of a balanced talk of look at the 80% that is exceptional, but there is 20% that you have to wonder if that's going to cost you at some point.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't think camo was very good at all last year, especially the second half of the year. And, you know, uh, they didn't look like a winning team with him at quarterback. You and know? still they and- went seven and nine yeah i know and so i i just um maybe they said like okay this is enough talent but i i it's that's why i'm kind of thinking they're they're gonna um draft somebody if not in the first round then maybe the second
1: that's great which brings me to my point and i do want to pivot to the panthers we love talking to uh, philip about the hornets but also we love talking about the panthers and i will give the patriots credit is they stop sort of wishing they had someone else's quarterback you know, but mm-hmm. there's a lot going on right now, and they're like, okay, well, I mean, if something falls out, and if Jimmy G, you know, does get you know freed up, and you know, you know but they, it was just time to, to decide. Whereas I feel like the Panthers are caught a little bit in between, the same way that the Bears are right now, um, and maybe some other teams, which is like really wishing they had someone else's quarterback. And you're like, w- well, I don't know that those quarterbacks are are going to leave. Mm-hmm. Sports Machine likes to talk about these quarterbacks being unhappy, but for right now they are signed with their teams. So, uh, Phillip, uh give us an update on where things stand with the Panthers. Um, last season wasn't great for a number of reasons, but people still seem confident in Matt Rule as a coach and, and feel like he sort of has a concept of, of what he wants to do with the team.
3: Yeah, uh, that was the one bright spot is is the coaching. There, there were times last year where, the the Panthers seem to have creative plays and like a formula to the offense of like, okay, we do this. And then we set you up, that sets you up for us to call this play later. Um, and that was the kind of vision I was hoping to see, especially when you bring in um, the very young offensive uh, coordinator from LSU that they, that they brought in. And he was known as being an offensive guru genius type. So that was the one nice, uh, nice spot that you could see in the Panthers last year. But at the same time, we got to see that Teddy Bridgewater is 100%. He is who we thought he, is who we thought he was, and we let him off the hook, is basically what I'm saying, <laughs> is uh, that he is he's very good if he has everything around him perfect. But if you don't have a perfect roster around him, he, I don't think he's good enough to be the, the difference maker that Cam was when he was with the Panthers because he, of course, went through some terrible rosters where a guy named Philly Brown was on the team and they went to a Super Bowl. I don't think we're going to have Teddy Bridgewater do that. Um, And then uh, based on what I've seen, according to anonymous sources, both uh, every higher up in the Panthers feels the same way because there's sources out there that say that David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, has said, I'm tired of seeing mediocre quarterback play. Mm -hmm. I want someone different, Um, which has led to I don't know if this has changed, but I know about a week ago, Teddy Bridgewater unfollowed the Panthers on all of his social media platforms, which of course, as soon as someone within the media uh, gets a hold of that, that becomes a story um, even for a team like the Panthers. So um, yeah, I definitely think they're very much in that way of they've now they've said out loud, we need a new quarterback, but I don't know how they're going to get one other than getting one through the draft, which seems like the, the, the best possibility as of now.
0: Yeah, that's what I, there's more and more talk about, um, about them moving up in the draft mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, how about you as a fan, Philip, like what do you want to see happen? And is there a guy in the draft that you're like, I want Zach Wilson on my team and I really don't want Mac Jones. Like, <laughs> uh, is there, is there anything like that that you've got in the back of your mind? Um, I, I I'm, drawing a blank on his first name
3: fields from ohio state oh, yeah. is um just there we go justin fields um is the quarterback in the draft that gets me the most excited but to be honest um i would be fine with the panthers giving up the hall that has been rumored that they would throw out there for deshaun watson which is mm-hmm. christian mccaffrey along with three first round draft picks that one would get me the most excited just because i know um I know that Deshaun Watson is good and I know that he can make a mediocre team, cl- uh, close to playoff bound. Yeah. And so that gets me the most excited where even fields who looks awesome to my untrained eye, um, I still have no idea whether he'll be good or not. And so, um, if the Panthers go for fields, that would get me the most excited, but I'm still going to be there on week one going, Oh God, do we have someone good? Oh God, is he good? Oh no, I can't tell if he's good or not. Um, so I would, I would love to see Watson just so that question is not, uh, in the forefront of my mind.
1: (laughs) I I was a little charmed by the guy they brought in from the, uh, you know, the other football league. Um, Mm
3: -hmm. yes. Uh, PJ,
1: uh, PJ
3: Walker, I believe. Yes. There we go.
1: Um, Do you think he gets, is given any chance to, you know, let's just say things sort of stay where they are, which is the current quarterback plus a, a rookie brought in. Do you think mm-hmm. he's given any chance to become a Taylor Heineke? <laughs> uh, I,
3: I could I could see that because um, I definitely think Rule and the coaches feel the same way about Teddy Bridgewater is, oh, he's fine, but we in no way need to be um, beholden to him and trying to make sure we don't hurt his feelings. So I think if Ted, if if we go into the year with Teddy, and pj and uh quarterback x through the draft um i I could see pj playing more just because um i think the panthers owner is going to be putting some uh pressure on them to turn this ship around because since he's been the owner they haven't been they've 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 been mediocre that's the that's the best they've been since he took over ownership of the panthers
0: uh and you know you're your take is the right one. I mean, it's Deshaun Watson. You, you give up what you need to give up to get him and you're not, you know, trading a whole lot to draft like Jared Goff, who we don't know what he's going to be like. Um, mm. if you need to do that, like, yes, Deshaun Watson has proven that he can do that and he's somewhat coming home, you know, yeah. going to school in South Carolina with Clemson. Um, yeah and yeah it, it Deshaun Watson playing in the Carolinas just kind of feels right and absolutely I, I I have to say just uh, since we have the Panthers on as sort of like one third of our Sunday options <laughs> you know I would love to see Deshaun Watson yeah. playing quarterback just for that reason alone
3: yes yeah, for sure I, I I feel the same um yeah and I think that's part of the reason the the Panthers owner feels so strongly about going after someone like that is because it's a win in every sense you get a a tremendous upgrade at the position. You, he knows he's going to sell jerseys, tickets, all of that. Once that's available, once that's something we can do again, it people will will absolutely buy into Deshaun Watson being a Panther.
1: Uh gotcha. But yeah, today we we're reminded of uh, teams seem to uh, know what they're doing. Um, everyone was panicking when the Kansas City Chiefs re- released two of their offensive linemen um, earlier, as a lot of teams are doing, you know, cuts for uh, salary cap considerations. But first day, they went and signed the uh, center from the, the Patriots, um, who was considered the best in the game, for, like, a nice full contract. And they're like, oh, no. Like, we, we weren't, were we are not caught surprised by anything. We're not like, oh, really? Are you supposed to have a good offensive line when you have a <laughs> – Small, skittish quarterback. Gosh, I didn't realize that. So you're like, oh yeah, Kansas City Chiefs are, are really pretty good. Like, because they yep. they have a plan. You you know, pay a half a billion dollars for your quarterback, and then be like, let's convert some rugby players and see how that works out.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> As Tom announced uh, announced breaking news, uh, uh, Saints quarterback Drew Brees is retiring. wanted to read this stat. When Drew Brees entered the league, there was one 5,000-yard passing season in history. Brees proceeded to have five of them on his own. He retires with four of the top six seasons of all time. Obviously, the, the play of the NFL changed during the last 20 years during Drew Brees' career, but he was a part of that. Right. Um, first with the chargers with some limited success and then absolutely fitting hand in glove with Sean Payton's season. So, uh, yeah, you, uh, ha- uh as a Panthers fan don't have to play against Drew Brees twice a year. Philip.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'll let the Panthers fan come out first. I want to say compiler on those stats. That's my, that's, <laughs> that's me being, uh, me being that guy. Then I'll let the, the honest side come out. Yeah. He was amazing. Um, uh, he's one of the best as far as throwing receivers open him and Aaron Rodgers are two of the best like where you 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 play defense perfectly against them, but they just throw a guy open mm. and I am I am absolutely pumped to not have to see him twice a year
1: <laughs> uh yeah yeah we were talking bit, uh during the music break uh, but I was surprised to see that uh, Drew Brees actually has a 500 record uh Against mm. the Panthers, um, so he he is eight and eight. He had one victory over them as a San Diego Chargers quarterback, mm. but has gone seven and eight uh, as a Saints quarterback. Which is uh, you would I don't know why. Not you know I know the Panthers have been uh, quite good at least every other season, um, yeah. but you would think he would have done better. But as you were saying, uh, that is no matter you know how each team are playing, uh, when they play each other, they always tend to play well.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely the Panthers' biggest rival. Um, the Falcons are are some at times a close second, but the Saints are, especially in my book, the Panthers' biggest rival. And yeah, I think that says something because in a lot of those matchups, Drew Brees is always the best quarterback. I mean, there was times when he was playing Vinny Testaverde, um, and we may the Panthers may have stole a win from the Saints that season just because the rivalry is so close that those two teams play each other um, close, no matter who has the better the better roster at that time.
0: I mean, I think there's also something that the Panthers play outside. Um, Bruce uh, Brees is um, mm. not quite as good when uh, he's not playing in a dome, but he's been excellent um, for a long time. So, yeah, it kind of feels weird to not have Drew Breeze in the yep. NFL. Um, he's just been there for a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, uh, saying goodbye to Breeze. Yeah. And discussion of greatest of all time, that
1: just you – know, a lot of that is just, okay, you know, he, he – his regular season performances were you know, undeniably outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so, you know, some quarterbacks have distinguished themselves with a more exceptional playoff uh, mm-hmm. performances. Um, but I would say for, for Drew Brees, uh, he, again, he came to New Orleans at a great time when, you know, the team was not particularly good, and then being there for Katrina and everything. So he was just a, a really great personality for that time but i also think he came at a really good time for the nfl mm-hmm. when there was a lot of concussion protocol and some you know off-field things of, you know videotapes of elevators and all that kind of stuff whereas you have drew Brees, like his retirement perfectly he had his kids do his retirement <laughs> yeah so like, mm-hmm. our dad has got to spend more time you know, he just was this like what a nice guy you know mm-hmm. it, 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 you know teammates kind of you know uh, tease him for being a bit of a nerd so i, I think there was just something to like hey, this can also be the NFL too. Um, mm. It's just kind of a uh, well-meaning, intense, hoo, 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 doing the, like the, you know, the psych up mm-hmm. in the, uh, you know, the entryway yeah. of the stadium. Yeah. So I, I, I think he really was good for the NFL at a time when they needed some, uh, getting personalities to parade out for me, like uh, you don't have to kind of always cross the street, uh,
0: you know, when mm. an NFL player is coming at you, you know? That's right. Hey, Philip, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it.
3: Yep. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That was great, Philip. And yeah,
1: we will uh, uh, close out with a song. We uh, often acknowledge those who have left us. So uh, one of the boxing greats, uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler, mm-hmm. did uh, pass away this week, which is sad. Just again, a great boxer. But I also appreciated when his time was over, his time was over. So yep. you're just like, what happened to me? Like he was done kind of thing, but he was great. Some of those, him and Tommy Hearns fights were just the just great spectacle of sports. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.